name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, is uh, the first week of Pentecost, is the feast in the church, Thomas Sunday. And after the resurrection of the Lord, the disciples uh, were in fear and the state of unrest. And as we read from the readings of the second day of resurrection, which was Monday, the readings for that day have to do with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, so the disciples, after the resurrection, they were going back to their home and to carry on their work as they were. And the Lord appeared to them and revealed himself to them in the breaking of bread. And they returned back to Jerusalem with joy and met with the rest of the disciples. Um, however, on the day of resurrection, Thomas the Apostle was not among them. He was uh, he was out. Um, and the beginning of this passage has happened on Thomas uh, on the on the Sunday of resurrection when Thomas wasn't there. And then it, the Lord appeared to them again today, this uh, the week after, uh, when Thomas was with them. Um, and Saint Thomas was uncertain if Christ uh, had truly risen from the dead as the disciples and the women had claimed. So he had this doubt that truly the Lord had ri- had risen. And even when the Lord appeared to them in this room, in the upper room, he was still in doubt. And then the Lord invited him to touch uh, the side where the spear was and his nails and his feet. Uh, And of course, when St. Thomas saw them, he confessed and he said, My Lord and my God. Um, And I think if we look at some of the readings throughout this week and today, you'll find, um, like I think today is when St. Thomas really met the Lord face-to-face as God. Um, and there are many people in Scripture who have come face-to-face with God and face-to-face with His glory. And we see their response and the blessing they gained from coming face-to-face with God. So we'll speak about this uh, briefly this morning. And when I speak about coming face-to-face with God, I'm not speaking in a physical sense. I'm not speaking as one speaks with another face-to-face. But I'm speaking uh, of one more of in the heart, where we meet God, where the senses in the mind are free from distraction, and we're able to meet God in our heart. I'll remind you when the Pharisees, they came to the Lord, and they asked Him, uh, when would the kingdom of God come? So they're asking, when is the second coming? When, or when is the coming of God? Uh, and look at the Lord's response. He says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. So he's saying the kingdom of God is not perceived by observation of the sight. Nor will they they say, see here or see there. So the kingdom of God is going to come not in a way that's perceived by the eye, but he says, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The place where we meet God and we enjoy His presence, this is the kingdom of God. So when we do it in our hearts, in prayer, in attending the services, where I'm free from distraction, and it's just me and God, this is the kingdom of God. And this is what I mean when we come face to face with God. There are many uh, righteous uh, men and women who have experienced God. I'll just mention a few, just to kind of give you an exercise, perhaps to go through scripture and, uh, and find others. The first one we find who met, fa- who met God face to face was Abraham. You know, after the fall, there was a separation between God and humanity. But when Abraham showed his faith and obeyed God when he appeared to him, and now this is the first time God will now begin 
to make a covenant with humanity once again after the fall was through Abraham. And the first instruction he tells him, he tells him to leave his family and his house and go to a land that I will show you. So this first time where God appeared to Abraham, this was something of, a, uh, uh, of the glory of God. This was something that wasn't you know, common at that time. And this is the first time now God wants to make a covenant and is giving instruction you know, to somebody to go somewhere and he will lead them. So this was a big moment in the life of Abraham and in the history of our salvation. Um, and when we think of Abraham, we think of the covenant that God began with him. And what is this covenant? A covenant is basically a command that God requests from us. And in return, there's a promise that he promises to give to us. So the covenant is the commandment plus the promise equals the covenant. Or the covenant is, or covenant equals the commandment plus the promise. So now there's a give and take, you know, with God. He gives us his command, we abide by this command, and then in return he gives us this promise. Um, And the first thing that Abraham did when he went into this promised land, what was it? He built an altar, an altar. And what's the, what does the altar mean? It's a sign of permanence and commitment to God. You know, before we build any churches and we have the altar here in the communities, those who've, uh, who've prayed in communities, what do we do? We set up the altar in the beginning and then we take off the altar in the end and return it back to whatever, a gym or, or another church or whatever it is. And we take our holy wood and this becomes, whatever we put this wood on, this becomes the altar and it's sanctified. Right? So what makes it permanent is the consecration of the altar and this place becomes consecrated. This place becomes holy. Right? Uh, and it's permanent. So the first thing Abraham did, he built the altar in the land of promise, meaning that this covenant between me and God is permanent. So it shows this commitment. So the first thing we see when we come face to face with God is this commitment. And when we ever, if any of us have experienced coming face to face with God in the interior heart in prayer, we'll find a renewed commitment. It's just like, you know, we have these times of re- re- a renewed commitment in our life. For example, during Holy Week, during the Pascha week last week, in the midst of all the prayers and experiencing the Lord's suffering, we tell ourselves, you know what, I've been going the wrong way. I've been making the wrong choices. I've been hanging around, around, around the wrong people. And we say, Lord, from today, help me to change this. So when we come close to God and we come face to face with Him, we have this renewed commitment for Him. The second person we find that met God face to face or met His glory was Jacob. Jacob, um, on his uh, return and his reunion with Esau, who wanted to kill him many years before, the last they left him, he stole the birthright and he wanted to kill him. So now he's going and he has no choice but to meet Esau. And by this time Esau was a great, you know, uh, tribe. Um, and before he met him, he sat down and he had it uh, uh, the night before. He was praying by himself. And then the scripture tells us that he wrestled with God. Uh, and in this wrestling, it says that God couldn't prevail. Right? He was wrestling with Jacob and God couldn't prevail. And what was his request from God? He told him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So this wasn't a fight where enemies, right? This is a fight for a blessing. It's just like maybe, like, um, if somebody, if the Pope comes to visit us, or a bishop comes to visit your home, 
And after 10 minutes, he's getting up to go to the next visit. You say, And we try to hold on to him. This going back and forth, or this fight, is not something that's we're against each other. But we want the blessing more, right? So this was what Jacob was doing. He says, no, stay longer. I want the blessing. Stay with me. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. So then at this moment... God asked him, you know, his name, and he told him Jacob, and then he changed his name from Jacob to Israel, uh, because he struggled with God and man, and prevailed. He prevailed. And then, what's Jacob's, when after the Lord left him, what was Jacob's perception of what happened? He says in Genesis 32.30, he says, So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. Why did he call it this? He says, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So he, this struggle that he had with God was the reason he would, his life would be preserved. So he left this struggle with God knowing that when he goes to face Esau, there's no problem. My life will be preserved because I met with God. And this struggle that we have or that Jacob had is the same struggle we have in our spiritual life. Whether it's against sin, whether it's to pray, whether it's the discipline of reading the scripture, whether it's the struggle to come and attend church early, right? All of these spiritual disciplines and struggles we have, the product of these are the blessing. That when we struggle, God will grant us the blessing of prevailing, this victory in our life, right? So, and uh, uh, and we see many examples of the saints who struggled. And mind you, this struggle is not something that's involuntary. So Jacob, God didn't meet him and says, all right, sit here and put up your dukes, we're going to fight. He didn't say that. Jacob was praying and wanted to pray, and then the struggle happened. It's just like, you know, the saints. You know, for example, Saint Beshoy, when he used to tie his beard or his hair to the roof so he doesn't sleep, do you think his father of confession said to him, okay, Beshoy, I want you to tie your hair to the ceiling, and I want you to pray your canon, and then some, and make sure you don't sleep. Do you think he told him this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But his love for God and to be face to face with Him, he didn't want even sleep to rob him of this experience. So he did this, right? So it's nothing that is uh, is forced. And then what happened is that Jacob or God touched the socket of Jacob's hip and it was dislocated. So he left this struggle limping. Why was why is this significant? Why would of course God could have done anything, but He made him dislocated. So when He goes to meet Esau. What does he do as he's limping? One, he remembers the struggle. And two, that he depends on God. Do you think Jacob would ever forget this experience? Every day he walks and he limps, he remembers the experience. Right? The same thing with us, my beloved. When we come face to face with God, whether it's in the interior heart or any you know circumstance of life, and we see God face to face, we will never forget it. And many of you are smiling and recalling the times where you met with God face to face, and you will never forget it, right? So this is yani, God meeting us face to face in the midst of a struggle. And in the midst of a struggle, when we go through it, through Him, He will promise victory and, uh, and we will prevail. The third one we see who met God face to face was actually the gospel reading from this or yesterday in, Matt, in Vespers, was uh, when St. Peter met the Lord on the boat. If you remember, uh, St. Peter and his men, they went fishing and they didn't catch anything and they had the boat on the shore. The Lord came, used his boat to preach. And then after he preached to the people, 
he told St. Peter, launch into the deep and we're going to go out fishing again. And St. Peter obeyed. Although the time for fishing was already past. They should be cleaning the nets and going on. So he obeyed and he launched out into the deep. And then he tells him, throw your net on this side of the boat. And, and he was just fishing and he didn't catch anything. Now you're going to tell me to throw the net and I'm going to expect to catch. But he did it anyways. And then when he pulled up the net, it was filled with fish to the point where other boats had to come help him. What was St. Peter's response in this? He said to him, it says, St. Peter saw it, fell at his knees and said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. So what happened when St. Peter came face to face with God here? Or face to face with the glory of God? He saw the Lord's majesty. He saw the Lord's grace, His mercy, His love, His generosity. And when he thought about and experienced these things, he looked at himself and he found himself very, very small. He looked at himself as being insignificant. He looked at himself as being very weak. I tried to fish myself and I couldn't catch anything. He looked at himself as being, you know, um, uh, naked and vulnerable, right? I feel like I can't even help myself. I was going to come to my wife and family with no fish. What would they say of me? And we will starve today because I caught no fish. And look what the Lord has provided for me today. So he looked at himself and he looked at his insignificance, how small he is. And again, my beloved, sometimes when we come face to face with God, we have the same experience where we feel so insignificant. And this is good because in this insignificance, we cry to him mightily and more. And this is where we find it. If you remember the fall of Adam and Eve, before the fall, they would go to God for everything. So they were like these little children who needed a parent to do everything for them. Baba azin nekul, for he gives them food. Go eat from this tree. Baba azin nishrab, we want to drink. Okay, go here and here is water. But once they took from the fruit uh, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they began to be their own Lord. They did this so they don't have to go back to God. So the way to go back to God is this restoration to be like a child again. This is what the Lord told us. Unless you return to be like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you have this childlike need for God, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So sometimes when we meet God face to face, and like uh, like uh, uh, St. Peter did, and we realize our frailty and our sinfulness, and we return back to Him weeping and in tears, this is what the Lord wants. Because this restores again that beautiful union we had prior to the fall. The uh, the fourth point in which we meet uh, face God face to face, or the fir- uh, fourth example, is in the transfiguration. And those who attended maybe liturgy yesterday, on Saturday, this was the gospel reading yesterday. It was about the transfiguration. What happened is, the three disciples, St. Peter, James, and John, they went on the mountain with the Lord, and it says the Lord was transfigured before them. But St. Luke describes like the environment. He says, while he was saying this, um, and this is when he's saying this, he means St. Peter looked and said, shall we build three tabernacles? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Uh, and then he says, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. So it's the three, the Lord and the uh, Moses and Elijah, and then the three disciples, right? They're in the air and they're on the on earth. They're looking. And then the cloud comes and doesn't only encompass the Lord and uh, Moses and Elijah, but also encompasses the disciples as well. They're standing there. Uh, 
And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. So the disciples were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And if you paid attention yesterday, if you attended, this is where the gospel reading ends. But this is not really the end of the story. right? The end of the story is, they bow down, they fall, they look up, and they find only the Lord Jesus alone. Right? But the church chose to stop the reading here. Why? Because they were already encased or enveloped in this cloud. And they heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son. So meaning what? That this witness that you are my Son will be also applied to those who are in Christ. The disciples who are in Christ. So you and I who are in Christ. So this coming face to face with God, when they saw the Lord transfigure, this was their own future glory, as long as they remain in Christ. So he gave them a glimpse of what is to come. What is the glory of man that is going to come? So this again fills us with hope and with love. So sometimes when we come face to face with God, he reveals to us the glory of what is to come. Lastly, we see today St. Thomas coming face to face with the Lord. He came as a person in doubt, doubting the resurrection. And when he saw the Lord and he touched the wounds or approached to touch the wounds, the scripture never tells us that he actually touched them, but he approached to touch them. And he saw this was the Lord. He confessed and says, my Lord and my God. So his response was a response of worship and praise. Worship and praise. And if we think about this holy time, these 50 days, what does this time represent? If we say the, the, the 55 days of fasting is our struggle on earth, then the 50 days of the Pentecost or the resurrection period is the time in heaven. This is why we don't fast, even on Wednesday and Friday. We don't fast. And all the tunes are joyous, right? And every day is celebrated as if it was the resurrection feast, right? Because this is heaven. So again, today, and the confession of St. Thomas gives us a glimpse again of the praise and joy that is in heaven when we come face to face with the Lord. So we saw today how St. Thomas came face to face with the risen Lord, and this drove him to worship and praise. We saw how Abraham came face to face with the glory of God, and this led him to this renewed commitment in his life. We saw how Jacob met the Lord and struggled with him to receive the blessing and the covenant, and he received it and was victorious. We saw St. Peter how when he met the Lord face to face on the boat, he realized who he was. He realized who he was. He saw himself more clearly. That's why when we approach God, we know ourselves. We can only know ourselves really truly who we are when we approach God. So that today the church puts us face to face with the glory of God. And this is my beloved is the heavenly reality. In heaven we will be face to face with God forever. And we will grow in worship and praise and love for Him and all of Him. And this will be such a splendid time that any, you know, grief or sorrow or any, you know, uh, thing like of this sort will be wiped away when we go there. We will not remember anything, any grief, but we just be filled with joy and splendor. Lastly, I'll ask the question, okay, we desire to meet the Lord face to face. How do we meet Him face to face? And of course, all of you know, we meet face to face with God in prayer. We meet face to face with God as we read scripture. We hear and listen to Him away from the distraction. We meet the Lord face to face 
in his own home. We meet the Lord face to face in his people, the believers around us. We meet face to face with the Lord with his creation. We actually can meet face to face with the Lord in everyone and anywhere because he is omnipresent. He dwells everywhere. Therefore, wherever we are, in any place we are, we can meet with him. And nothing can limit this life of resurrection that we have with him uh, anywhere we go in life. May God grant us to experience and to see him face to face. And that experience will change us and drive us more and more to the desire and love to meet him in prayer. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.